The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. So let's get started. Uh, I wanted to, so I'll do the intro here to start. Welcome to an episode of Pile of Scrap, Zoom edition, uh, ISRI edition, if you will. And um, we got Brian Schein, chairman of ISRI. Brian, thank you and welcome. And thank you very much. Esri's powerful president leader, Ms. Robin Wiener. Robin, thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> well, everybody, this is some crazy times. Uh, unprecedented to everybody in this world, but also for a trade association like Esri. And we had to cancel or postpone our uh, convention this year in Vegas. My first question and jump in, who May who had the final decision? Was that you, Robin, or was that you, Brian? I think it's Brian. Well, I, I guess ultimately uh, it was my decision, but the reality is it was a strong team that, that was together throughout this whole process. And I was quoted recently as saying it was one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make. As we stay here, as we sit here today, it sure seems like an easy decision, of course. But at the time, with the information at that we had, um, it was a tough decision, and it's unfortunate, but obviously, clearly, very necessary that that we all came to that conclusion. Well, you know, look, Brian, as a former chairman, uh, I don't envy you for the position. You've shown amazing leadership. Yeah. You really have, brother, and, and you know, I feel for you. You've been cheated out of a out of your spotlight. You know, look, you, you you've dumped how many years into being an officer. You got to chair one convention and your last convention, you know, you, you don't get to have that's, that's, that's rough, but you, you've done it with grace and an amazing strength. And I applaud you. And I think anybody who listens to this podcast has to know that it's selfless what you did and you take a hit that is um, only us chairmans know what that is. Um. John, can I also yeah. talk about that for a minute? Because ahead, I also, uh, Brian's heard me say this before. I've, I've talked to staff about this. Uh, it has been, it was a very difficult decision. And I agree, Brian, that in retrospect, maybe someone could say, of course, it was obvious we should have done that. Um, but it was difficult for so many reasons, including um, what you mentioned, John, in terms of what the convention means in terms of the network of friends and um, relationships that are developed and our opportunities to honor our leaders like Brian, who's done just such a phenomenal job. And, and Brian, as you, again, as you've heard me say a number of times, I feel so much for you because Brian has worked so hard and the number of hours and efforts you've put in behind the scenes to evaluate all the pros and cons and options. I don't think anyone other than both of you and our other past chairs understands really what's involved. And I'm, all of us on staff are really grateful for that leadership. And um, I also, it's not only your, um, how smart you are and how um, just thoughtful you are, but Brian has also been very calm and a very stable influence during what is not a very stable period. And so I wanna thank Brian for that on behalf of all staff. Right on. Thank you. Well, thank thank you both very much. It means uh, the world to me, and I, I really do sincerely appreciate all that you both just said. Um, for me, it's 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 truly it's 
there's so many elements of, of it being sad, but honestly, the, my part of it, I'm, I'm not at all worried about that. It never really factored in. I felt sad for my wife who put so much effort into it and, and all the staff, um, Chuck Carr and Andy Golding, our convention chair. Um, there was so much work and effort put into this. I felt sad about those elements. I really probably most am sad about the honorees. And really, I've said this before, but starting with, with the kids, one of my favorite elements of the convention is, is the honorees that, that we get to have stand up in front of all of our members and staff and, and, and really be praised for all the things that they're doing and the kids, their creativity and, and effort to demonstrate um, their beliefs about recycling. And it's so refreshing to see it through the eyes of a child and, and it bodes well for our future because they start to become more and more aware of recycling and the critical role that we play. And then moving all through the safety awards and including transportation and, and Golden Wrench and others. And then really um, Lifetime Achievement Award. How can, you, how can you possibly talk about what that means to stand in front of your peers after committing your life to the betterment of the recycling industry and, and all that that means and, and to accept their applause and thanks for, for a job well done. And so it's sad that we're not gonna have those elements uh, along with all the great learning tracks and spotlights and, and commodity discussion and future trends, et cetera. But you know what, those, those will come. We will not lose sight of, of the honorees that we intended to, to do. And, we will make sure that, that everybody is fully recognized. So it, um, at this point, it's gonna be out in San Diego in, in uh, next year, but that'll be a great convention. And what I'm excited about is there'll be a lot of pent up demand. You know, People are gonna be really ready to connect and my guess it's gonna be an amazing convention. Well, fantastic. So John, do you mind if I just comment on the awards? Because we just had an all staff a Zoom meeting this morning and talked about the awards in particular. And just so your audience knows, um, as um, Brian said, we're not letting those go by. Um, whether it's our Young Executives Award, the Lifetime Achievement, the Safety Awards, the uh, DFR, and certainly the Jason Awards for uh, school children, we're planning on continuing with all of them. As a matter of fact, we'll probably be sending out an announcement in the next week or two to members that we're gonna extend actually the submission deadline. And then probably as early as July at the July board meeting, which will be in DC, we're gonna find opportunities for highlighting a number of those and we'll find other forums for all the other awards. Well, I think uh, that's great and communicating that, you know, communication during this period is key to, you know, and I, so many deserving people keeping the communication. So look, as a former chairman and as a, an exhibitor of ISRI, so I got a few questions for you that you may be able to answer, maybe not. What happens, okay, Sierra, we, we sponsor the members only room and we put up some significant money for that and our booth. What, what, are, what are you telling the exhibitors? the people who put up their money already, what's the policy of Israel? What can they know from this meeting as they, as we go forward, what happens? Well, certainly, uh, first of all, I have to say, we are so grateful for the support of your company and all the sponsors and exhibitors to the convention each year. And in recognition of how much um, we value that relationship, we're actually going to be calling every individual sponsor and exhibitor over the next 30 days 
and having individual converse, <clears throat> excuse me, individual conversations about the best way to um, handle what the next steps are, whether it's a refund or it's getting a place for next year already. Um, so we're going to be working with every individual exhibitor and sponsor to come up with the individual solution that's best for them. Well, that's good. Okay, what about is remember people who um, signed up, the individual company members, people who sent in their money already, and, and what happens to them? We've actually set up a very easy to use system to get the refunds processed. We get 100% refunds if that's what people choose. And that will be available, I believe, starting on Friday. We're still finalizing the exact date that the system will be ready to go. We're testing it to make sure that there are no challenges with it. All right. You know, this is, um, this is, this is why we had 22 to $24 million in our reserves for the unknown event. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, do we know how the reserves have performed? I mean, look, we know the market's down 35%. Uh, how is the reserve fund at this point? So ISRI members who will listen to this, and there will be a lot, what do they need to know about the reserve fund? Well, first of all, they need to know that it's in great hands. Not only do we have an outside investor advisor um, for investments, but we also have a phenomenal team of leaders, volunteer leaders, who help working with our CFO, Margie, to monitor the fund at all, at all uh, times. And the good news is that although the market has gone down about 35%, the investments have not gone down at, at the same percentage. It's below that. Um, I can't tell you the number as of today, but I know as of a couple of days ago, it was under, it was performing better than market. Okay, well, that's, that's good to hear. Brian. John, this is, yeah, I can just weigh in on that, that piece as well. Long ago, ISRI membership um, really established policies, investment strategies that have held true to this day. Um, we've had many leaders in the investment subcommittee and we're currently led in that area by Neil Weiss along with working with the finance team. And um, we've really tested that policy to make sure that, that it's still adequate. And it's so interesting because ISRI is a long-term investor. Some of our members are, are getting a little older now. So you tend to bring your own slant to the investment strategy. But the reality is ISRI is here for a long time to come. And it's my belief and, and the belief of, of the people that are currently in leadership positions that we need to stay true to the original policy that was put in place because it was put in place and well vetted by the entire board for good reason. And so it's, it's, it's worked quite well. Obviously we're going to go down as the market goes down, but we're going to come back as the market comes back and it will for sure over time. It will. Now, that, that part is true uh, undoubtedly, but are you prepared or can you say, you know, without holding the convention, you know, the convention is, one of the most, uh, is it the number one or number two revenue source other than, you know, other than membership conventions, the number one re revenue source at ISRI, not holding a convention. Um, what does that do for ISRI uh, in, a, in a fiscal year, in a one year, just one year snapshot? It's a great question. And there's, it's not just the direct financial impact, there's other impacts as well, but let me talk about the financial. The sure. good news is, that um, ISRI did take, we have cancellation insurance and we also have communicable disease endorsement on that cancellation insurance. 
Not sure that's an, an endorsement that will be available in the future, but we are fortunate to have it this year. And so um, our, any cancellation fees would be covered by that, um, I'm sorry, not the cancellation fees, the um, losses and the profits should be covered by that. Obviously the insurance companies are gonna be fighting it, um, but we will uh, be getting outside counsel as needed and be working to make sure that we retrieve that loss. Um, in terms of the cancellation fees, we had uh, we have very strong counsel, general counsel, and we wrote contracts that were written very well and had force majeure clauses and therefore our cancellation uh, damages were being released from as well. So actually, um, we will, I'm confident that we will recover um, financially the direct loss from the convention, but it's gonna take time. So there'll be cash flow issues and that's where the investments are going to be very key for us to help us cover the cash flow over the short term. But there's also the issues of how do we pivot? Just like you and your business and Brian and your business and, and all other businesses, recyclers around the country and around the world are shifting how you do business in order to do businesses in this environment we're also pivoting and shifting. So we're looking at how we take our content from that convention, which was uh, pretty well advanced by this point, a couple of weeks after the convention, and turn it around into webinars and, and podcasts and other information we can provide to members for their use. Um, and, and we're looking at other opportunities, perhaps doing something at the Commodities Roundtable in Chicago in September to help members with what we would have done at the convention with our young execs and other groups. So we are going to look at other things that we can do to bring people together to meet the need that um, the convention served. Um, interestingly, one of the, um, the impacts that we don't immediately think about is our magazine. Our magazine was geared towards the convention issue. Um, so we've had to pull that back and rewrite a lot of the articles in there change a lot of the ads that focused on booth numbers at the convention, et cetera. So the magazine, this latest issue will be delayed, but it will go out. Um, so there have been impacts around the association, but we're doing everything we can to pivot um, and be there for the members. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's great. You know, well, one of the things for me, I, I was really looking forward to meeting Gary V. Um, you know, since I do, this is a podcast and, he influenced me, you know, this is uh, kind of a side note to all this, but I've, I've watched him once and, and it was only a one minute clip and that one minute influenced me on a personal level to do what I'm doing now. And, you know, sometimes my dad, you say a word to the wise is sufficient. I didn't need a lot of prodding and, you know, as far as, well, should I do this? I should. One minute of listening to him and I knew he was, he was spot on to how to market and how social media plays a big role. And, and I want to segue from what Gary would have told us as an industry, as Robin, you and I were talking before we got started. Um, during this current times, you know, we're trying to, you know, recycling in a lot of states is deemed an essential, uh, uh, essential uh, manufacturing and, and, you know, essential business to stay open. And I'm trying to get that message out from Sierra's standpoint, because from our recycling facility, how is it working on the national end? And Brian from New York, you know, you're in New York, you got that. So 
Brian, why don't you go first on this one? How, how is that the essential business working for the New York area and the, you know, the whole New England area? And what, what are you seeing? Well, actually, uh, first, I'd like to thank Robin and, and our staff, because I often hear, you know, what's the value that, that ISRI brings? Why should I be an ISRI member? And, you know, what does ISRI really do? And honestly, there, there are so many activities that ISRI does, but it's not easy to break it down because each individual member looks at things differently. They may have a, a certain hot topic and so forth. Well, this crisis that we're currently in is really an indication of, of the value of ISRI because ISRI, led by Robin, has stepped up and supported all recyclers throughout the U.S. So it started at a, a federal level. Um, ISRI issued a, a letter to Vice President Pence describing in detail why it is an essential industry and why we should be exempt um, and allowed to continue working, what, what the critical aspects of that are. And as a result of that, the Department of Homeland Security issued guidance, which we are still trying to refine, and, and it's being used by the states and mirrored. So you asked the question about New York State. My business within New York State, as well as all New York State recyclers, are considered essential. And it's, it's critical. We, the things that we do um, allow for continuation of infrastructure and manufacturing of goods that have a direct impact on our ability as a nation to fight COVID-19 and all related. And that includes every element of manufacturing, um, Department of Defense, transportation, infrastructure, and things that are critical to our ongoing ability as a, as a country to continue and, and fight through this. So it's been incredible uh, to see ISRI step forward and work tirelessly for all members. And, and I just, again, want to commend Robin and, and thank you, because this is really the moment that makes you proud to be an ISRI member and brings it all back as to why it's so critical to support our trade association. Individually, as, our, as owners and operators, we could never make this impact. ISRI as a trade association, the work that they do day in and day out positions us with credibility and integrity to be able to put forward this critical message and it's, it's having major impact. And um, now there is a responsibility that goes with the designation of essential. We still need to critically continue to follow the guidance to protect our own staff and the people that we're interacting with in the community and, and in large, at large because we all have a role and responsibility to play, but as long as we can conform within the required guidelines, it, it's a really important feature to, to continue. So thank you. Robin. Yeah, thank you, Brian, and thank you, John. And um, First of all, I have to say how incredibly proud I am of the ISRI staff. We pivoted very quickly to all working remotely, and I, I think it's fair to say I was a little nervous about how that would go. <laughs> Um, but it's gone incredibly well and the team has really come together and as soon as we understood that the the crisis that was affecting members the, the biggest need they had was just being able to stay open and getting that essential uh, business designation we moved into action as you said we've got the letter that went to the VP last week VP Pence um, which laid out the case for why recyclers are essential businesses that need to stay open um, there was two days later a document from the Department of Homeland Security that outlined what critical manufacturing is that implicitly included the supply chain. But we were very concerned that it wasn't explicit enough. 
And so we, along with a lot of other industries, but went, reached back out to the White House, um, tried to pressure the White House through contacts on the Hill um, and within the administration. And as a result, the Department of Homeland Security, or CISA, which is their group within it, issued new guidelines that are on their web, on the web that were issued sometime, I would, we're not sure if it was Sunday or Monday morning, that actually specifically now include the supply chain. So we have the language we need, and uh, we've been sending it out to members. We're gonna send it out an alert to all members. The only comment I'll make is that while within the manufacturing economy, stakeholders understand the, the role of recyclers and the recycling industry in supplying manufacturing, it's not something that's always well known, as all of you know, outside the industry. And a good example is I've heard of a number of members that have had their employees stopped by law enforcement on the way to work. Right. And when they've showed their letters showing that they're part of essential industry, um, law enforcement is sometimes giving them a hard time. So for that reason, yesterday we reached back out to the Department of Homeland Security, as well as to other entities asking for an explicit inclusion of recycling um, within the critical manufacturing definition. We're not sure if we can get that because again, we're in there already, but not explicitly. So we are gonna try to get something more. And as you said, Brian, a lot of states are relying on that language. And every time we hear of a state that's taking action at a, with a stay-at-home order or something similar, Danielle Waterfield and Justin, who are two folks in safety, or your safety staff, or rather um, state staff, have been working tirelessly to reach out to all members in that state with the guidance for their state, information about how they determine that they're essential businesses. And we've been doing that day and night uh, with all the states that have come out with designations. And it's something we're gonna continue. But I would urge all members to reach out to us directly if you're not sure what's happening in your state and we will get that information to you. Well, that goes back to what I said earlier, communication, Robin, and, and this is great news. Hopefully we can get the quote unquote, the words that we really need is the recycling industry is exempt. If we can get those words, um, that's a big win, but we are critical manufacturing. For the fact of the matter is, does anybody really know the percentage of, of all goods made without recycled products in the, into the manufacturing as raw materials from paper to copper, aluminum, stainless steel, and iron. What percentage of materials made in this country or in the world are made with actual recycled content in it? Well, we do know that on average across all the commodities that about 40% of the raw material needs of, the global, manufa of global manufacturing comes out of the scrap industry. So they are very, obviously it varies considerably from commodity to commodity, but a good example, a great example actually on, on, in today's world is toilet paper. That um, I've worked with uh, our members and with uh, the American Forest and Paper Association to get the specific numbers. And I found out that 58% of these infeed, the feedstock into tissue mills that make toilet paper is actually from recovered fiber. So that's a great example of without our industry, we're not gonna get toilet paper restocked on our shelves. Well, that's, that's so, the tagline, it's without our industry, nothing's gonna get made. Cause you can't just cut 40 to 50% of all 
uh, raw materials and expect these things to get made. You can't have that kind of uh, uh, raw material reduction and expect quantities to suddenly, you know, the mask that 3M are making, you know, there's a lot of recycled content that goes into those things and the plastics and, you know, all the copper for the electronics for the respirators that need to be made. You know, our industry is supplying the very raw material that is needed to make those products. Right, and another great example is steel. 70% uh, of all steel manufactured in the U.S. today is manufactured using scrap as a feedstock. And I found out this morning that the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration has issued letters talking about the essential needs of fiber, scrap fiber, recovered fiber, and plastics for medical devices, medical supplies, etc., but didn't mention ferrous. And so we're communicating with um, the Department of Transportation to get that done. So, uh, yeah, we all know how vital recyclables are in the manufacturing supply chain, but it's not always known elsewhere. And therefore we're doing everything we can to reach all the appropriate agencies and um, entities to get that information out. Brian, you, Manitoba, your company, you can make processor of copper. Is there a particular industry that you supply into that, that you know for a fact is making medical uh, supplies right now? Uh, yes, actually we, uh, a lot of our customers are, are directly focused either on defense department, uh, aerospace, automotive, or medical. Those are the main industries that, that we supply copper into that becomes a, a component of manufacturing for those various industries, all of which are deemed essential. And we have letters from every single one of them confirming that the supply chain will stay intact and explaining why they are essential and therefore why we are essential. And so, yes, to answer your question, that's exactly right. Our copper is used for it. Right. So that goes back, Robin, to, again, back to communication. I want to reiterate the importance of our ISRI members who listen to this podcast. We'll see it. Make sure you, you know, you open the emails from ISRI about the language that you need for the documentation you need to make sure you let the officials in your local area understand on a federal level, we are an essential industry. And I would also ask um, everyone to check their spam filters because I found out this morning from one of our members that he hadn't been receiving the emails from us um, and they got caught in the spam filter. And because we're also attaching a lot of vital information to these documents, some of them are very large. Um, and because we're sending out to a number of people at the same time, often that gets caught in the same spam filter. So if you haven't heard from us, um, you should have. So check spam filters. If you still can't find it, reach out to me directly at rweiner at isri.org and I'm happy to make sure you're connected. Well, that's fantastic. So, so let's, let, let's shift a little bit here. You know, I want to, you know, we're going to close up here. We've been on this call. Brian, I want to go to you for a second. Um, you know, the transition, you know, from chairman, you know, Gary Chaplin is, Chaplin is, excuse me, Champlin is going to be the next Chair, when, are, when is that transition going to take place? How is that going to work? Well, you know, um, I talked about how I was sad that the honorees are not going to be um, uh, awarded at, at this convention because we're not having the convention. Similarly, the transition of power to Gary, who has worked so hard to get to this point, and that is not going to, going to be official or officially done in, in April as, 
um, as was intended. So we're still working on that. We're trying to figure out the best, uh, most efficient way to, to make that transition happen. And uh, we actually have a board call, board of directors call later this week. So we'll be, um, we'll be uh, talking about that a little bit more. Um, Gary is, is uh, poised and ready to go and will make a great next chairman. And I look forward to his, his term whenever it starts. Um, whether that be at the end of April or, or possibly in July when we hopefully are next together in DC. We're working on that. So there's a tradition that chairmen's uh, on their, at the last convention, they, they have a roast. So a lot of us think you canceled the convention because you don't want to be roasted. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, we all know that's not it. But, uh, you know, that's another thing that you're, you're being robbed of. Um, yeah, you know, it's, I think about my roast and I think a lot about Jerry Sims roast and George Adams and, and Doug Kramer's as, um, you know, that, that is a, that's a tradition and hopefully we can have, we can carry that on in DC this summer though, Brian, because you can't get out of it without a little roasting. <laughs> and Brian, I promise you not get mad at it. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, listen, you know what, everybody, you know, again, you're doing an amazing job in just incredibly tough circumstances. Uh, Brian, again, I want to say my heart goes to you, but you've done this with amazing grace. Um, your calmness, your leadership as a chairman, you know, I'm proud to call you my friend, but, you know, I'm very proud as a former chair to know that you are the current chair you have done. Nobody could have done a job any better than what you have done, and I mean that from my heart. And, um, you know, brother, God bless you and you keep up the good work. And Robin, you too, you know, uh, I know you and have worked with you for a lot of years. And I know the hard work you put in and all those emails I would get out in California that would be 1130 your time at night. And I would always respond to you when I was chairman, what are you doing awake? And, and the hours that you put in. Yeah, well, it is, it's quiet time. <laughs> and I know how hard you work and to both of you, Keep up, look, there's a lot of work yet to be done, a lot of communication yet to be had and sent to the membership. And if there's anything that I can do, and I'm hoping this podcast will get this out right away, it, as a communique to the, to the people in the recycling industry, just what ISRI is, what ISRI is doing, the tough decisions you've had to make, the positive notes from the financial aspect and what you're doing, and to the exhibitors and, um, you know, I support you guys 100% as an exhibitor, not only as a past chair, but as an exhibitor. You did the right thing. It, yeah, it's easy to say now it was the right thing, but the, when you guys pulled the trigger and said no convention, that wasn't an easy decision because we didn't have all the information. We didn't have everything we had that we know now, and it's been a few weeks. So, you know what? You did a hell of, heck of a job. Both of you keep the good work going, and I'm here to to support you and get your message out as well. So thank you both. Robin, last word to you and then to Brian. Sure, I just wanna thank you, John, for giving us this opportunity to talk about what ISRI's doing. And I would ask all the members out there that if there's something that ISRI can or should be doing for you that we're not right now, to please reach out and let me know. We're really trying to understand exactly what the needs are of members, whether it's getting information um, through federal stimulus, the essential designation, safety, et cetera. But please, please, please let us know. We wanna be there for you. 
um, in all the needs that you have as an industry. Thank you, Robin. Brian? Well, thank you, John, very much for the warm words. I mean, incredible. I, it, means, it means the world to me. So thank you for that. My feeling about it, though, is honestly, it takes the team. And the team is staff and members. I feel so fortunate and so well supported throughout this whole process. And so I, I again, appreciate your warm words. But I, I truly appreciate you and all the members and as well the staff. I, I do feel very lucky. So thank you for spreading the word. It is amazing out of one minute, Gary V, um, the action that you took. And um, so great job, John. Thanks. Well, everybody, thank you. And that's been another episode of Pile of Scrap, the ISRI Convention Update version. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.